What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable, Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend of mine, Jason Hartman. You know, it's a podcast day today. I have, I think, five or six lined up, but it's what we do. We just go hard. We put them in the can and we get them out to you. And I'm so excited to have Jason Hartman here today because he's on a mission. He works in real estate and the real estate investing. He teaches other people about this. We're going to get into what he's made of here in a second. But before we do that, I just want to remind everyone how grateful I am for you for being here, for the support that you've given me my brand, my podcast, the book, Rocket Fuel, the tech companies that we're into, Blueprinted. I'm just so thankful for you. And I always want to start off by letting you know and expressing gratitude because it means the world to me. So today we're going to talk to Jason Hartman. Jason, welcome to the What Are You Made Of podcast. Hey, thanks, C-Rock. Good to be here. Hey, so listen, we have a tradition here. We start every show with a question, which is right back here. What are you made of? You know, that is a tough question to answer, I think, for anybody because uh, there are many ingredients to every person, right? But I'd say at the core, mission and persistence. I think those would be two really good ones. And, and they both intertwine together like, uh, you know, they, they, you can't have one without the other. Because having that mission where you really, you, you have a purpose, a why that's bigger than yourself, it allows you to be much more persistent. Or maybe it's the fuel, like the rocket fuel for persistence. Yeah, you know, I'm going to dig deeper into this, but I just talking about this on another podcast about how he asked me how how important my mission or purpose is. And you know, what you just said is powerful, 100% agree or more if there is more. But at the end of the day, what I notice with it is it allows me to simplify things. And I'll I'll get your take on this, but it allows me to have a binary decision. Is my thought that I'm having right now, is the words I'm speaking or about to speak, or is my actions or my environment, the people around me serving my mission or going against it? Building or destroying, towards or away. And it makes my life so simple because I can just decide that binary decision and allows me to make decisions quicker. Um, What is your thought on that? It allows you to distill things. I I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, that's changed everything for me and I've accomplished so much more since I figured that out. Unfortunately, I didn't figure it out until I was in my early 40s. (laughs) So even though it's such a simple concept, like, and I'm trying to teach my kids this, like you need to know where you're going. If you don't, you're drifting. And what drifting will do is it'll lead you to be around people that make you introvert because you think you're doing something wrong because you don't know where you're going. And then you don't, you don't accomplish anything. So I love that you said that. So Jason, take me back. You can take me back to as far back as crawling or in diapers. Tell me about your life. Like, Where did you grow up and what was life like as a yeah. kid? I grew up mostly in Los Angeles. Uh, grew up without much money at all, single mom. Definitely a struggle. I mean, you know, I, I ate, had food, you know, went to school, all that stuff. Wasn't that bad, but uh, certainly wasn't the best. And um, that, that just uh, by about ninth grade, and I, I mean, it's kind of funny, but 
you know, I went to integrated schools in LA. So you had a wide variety of socioeconomic classes of students, you know, students that were bussed in from the really bad areas. I wasn't, I wasn't bussed in. I did walk to school, but then you had kids that, you know, were the kids of movie producers and they were super rich, right? So you had all these like economic classes, socioeconomic classes mixing together in the school. And so, you know, on one hand, I remember this happened on a few occasions. I got mugged in the hallways of my own school at knife point. So, you know, I, I was pretty tough. Uh, I may not look tough now, but I was pretty tough as a kid. I know what the streets are like for sure. Uh, and, um, you know, to the other side of the spectrum, where you've got these really rich kids uh, living in, you know, just the most posh areas of LA uh, that, uh, you know, live in beautiful homes and have great childhoods and, and all that kind of stuff, or at least great monetarily. Of course, there's more to life than money. We all know that. But when I was in ninth grade, it, it sort of hit me like that was the inflection point. And, you know, we had a certain whole class of like really pretty popular girls in school. <laughs> and all they were hanging around all the rich guys. And I thought, God, I want to be in that group. <laughs> I like that better than my group. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I kind of infiltrated that group, if you will, and uh, really just, you know, that motivated me. And by the time I was 16, that was about a year later, I remember I saw an infomercial for a real estate guru on TV, uh, what at least was considered an infomercial back then. It was for Robert Allen. And he was talking about one of his books. So I, I was really intrigued by this. I got his book. I read three chapters, put it down, but my mom picked it up and she finished it and she got really interested in the topic. And fast forward two years, I'm about to graduate from high school uh, or yeah, I'm 18 then. And uh, about to graduate from high school, she says, Jason, you know, you got me interested in this real estate investing stuff. I've been going to seminars and reading more books and you know, there's a, there's a big seminar this weekend in Anaheim near Disneyland. Why don't you go? So I rounded up nine of my buddies from high school and I got them all to go because I couldn't do anything alone at that age, you know, God forbid, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we started Friday night. It was that sort of pitch fest type environment and they were selling, you know, books and tapes and coaching programs and all that kind of stuff. And um, by Saturday morning, only one of my buddies was left. So it was the two of us. Everybody else went to the beach. And uh, by Sunday afternoon, when it finished, I was the only one left. And I remember about a year before that, I discovered four great mentors, Earl Nightingale, Dennis Waitley, Zig Ziglar, and Jim Rohn. And those guys changed my life absolutely hands down. And uh, I remember Earl Nightingale on one of his cassette tapes saying, you know, he was using the example of how people need to humble themselves to get started, right, to learn the basics. And he used real estate as an example. It could have been any business, but he used real estate as an example. Right. And he says, want to get rich in real estate? Learn the business first. So with that, those words in my head, on Monday morning after that seminar, I researched real estate schools and I figured I should just get my license. Now that I was 18, I could get a license. And, you know, why don't I just learn real estate like a real estate agent? So first year of college, I had my real estate license in hand. It was two weeks before my 20th birthday. I started selling real estate part-time for Century 21 while I was going to Long Beach City College. And I got, you know, I did really well, like right away, because I did something, Mike, that other people don't do a lot in real estate. I worked. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my, my, my first full month in the business, I sold five properties wow. and everybody in the office couldn't believe it. Like, who is this kid? You know, this, well, this well, must be a scam, right? Let me let you know, I have a real estate background and I have a mortgage division that I run right now with yep. uh, 30 some employees. Yeah, I've had a couple and mortgage so, businesses. Yeah, so yeah. so I'm familiar with all that and I understand that most agents are a deal a month, if that, and yep. everything's 911 to them because they don't they, have their They treat it like and, a hobby. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah it drives me nuts, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does. So just to go on with the story, Six months into my career, I had this one client, his name was Jim Wool. I sold him a few uh, government repo houses as rental properties. I was working with investors and he didn't like this one property. I sold him very much. He said, Jason, why don't you take the listing on this one and sell it? I'll buy another property from you. And I said, I don't want to sell it for you. I want to buy it from you. So I owned my first rental property while living at home with my mom at age 20, rented it out. And Here's kind of a thing that I really is a lesson for people listening. I had a bad experience with my first property and I would have had every reason to give up. I had to evict those tenants. They paid rent for a couple of months. You know, I was this baby faced kid. I knocked on their door. Hey, pay the rent. They're like, you know, (laughs) screw you. We're not paying. And I had to evict this couple that had rented my property. That was my first experience. I did end up selling the property, made some money on it when I sold it, but I could have like easily given up. And I've made millions and millions of dollars investing in real estate over the years that I could have just given up and said, hey, this doesn't work. You know, I had a bad experience. I would have had every justification. So I think a lesson there for people listening is, you know, you've got to go through the problems. Everybody has got to manage their emotions in a way that leads them to success. They've got to have a commitment, a goal, something bigger than themselves, something that's a master plan for life. uh, So that when these problems come and they will come for everybody and, you know, problems sometimes seem so big, you just wonder how you're going to get through this next thing. Right. And so, uh, so you, you got to just keep going. That's the point. Yeah, no, man, look, I mean, proactively, if you can grasp the fact that set your sights on something, big target, understand that no, nothing's going to stop you. Everything that comes your way is either fuel or a training session. Right. That's it. You become unstoppable. That's my philosophy. And so that's what you did. I think that now you understand that clearly, but back then maybe you didn't because at first when things happen, you're like, you get this feeling in your chest and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is the end. Yeah. Or, or right. you know, yeah, everybody I think goes through that, but the quicker you can get out of that, like you're saying, and act. And I always talk about identifying the problem is 50% of the, the solution. Like right. the, like clearly identifying the problem. No, but I, I love that. I remember my first um, rental property. I actually lived in it and rented other rooms out. I bought it for ninety two thousand dollars in Maryland, and I sold it for one hundred twelve thousand in like ten months. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I you know what? I forgot about that until you start talking about that. I forgot about my real estate transactions that I've done in my life. It's uh seems like just old, so old, you know, far ago. So so then from there, where did you go from there? Like, you, did you start flipping properties or what, uh, what did you do? You know, I just started buying more properties. I, I've done flips. Uh, I've I've done most of the things in real estate. There's a lot of different angles and paths you can take real estate. Uh, it is the most historically proven asset class in the entire world, if you ask me. And so I've done a lot of stuff, but mostly buy and hold investing. And, uh, you know, have done very well with that. And uh, I was a uh, a real estate agent for many years with Remax. Uh, by the time I was 24, I was number 59 in the entire world for Remax. 
So that was, I was very successful at selling properties for clients. And then I bought a company and had a really big struggle with that. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I owned it for eight years. I turned it around. I sold it to Coldwell Banker. So I had a nice exit. And uh, since then- That was a real estate company you started? That was a real estate company. It wasn't when I started, I bought it. Uh, it was an existing uh, brokerage yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And, and I bought it and then struggled with it and then resold it <laughs> and, uh, well, and, and sold it to a big company to Coldwell Banker. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Well, before you go further on this, how did you become number 50, whatever it was in the world? Like, what was your secret sauce? What? Yeah. Now, it's not a secret, but what did you do that made the difference? On the real estate side, when I was a traditional agent, uh, you know, in my 20s, I started out selling properties to first-time buyers and investors. And I would run little classified ads in the newspaper, quite literally. <laughs> and uh, people would call and inquire about the properties, you know, government repo properties. They were really dump properties, HUD and VA repos. They were disgusting to show most of the time. And, uh, you know, you'd get bitten by fleas all over your legs when you'd show that it was terrible, right? And uh, anyway, you know, a lot of investors were attracted to those. And I wanted to be an investor. That was really my goal. And so I sold to investors and first-time buyers. And then I made the switch and I went to Remax after leaving Century 21 after about nine months in the business. And um, I kind of struggled during that transition point because, but then I, I remember I saw in a real estate magazine, there was a little ad for a real estate newsletter, one of these prefab newsletters that agents can buy and stick their picture and their name on it, right? And it said something quite brilliant though. It said, stop selling real estate and start selling yourself of it and that was a pivotal thing i remember and uh i decided to become a farming agent and to be a listing agent and so i started farming an area in irvine california called windwood townhomes and i had a competitor in this area his name was mark and mark was older than me more experienced than me had every advantage over me And he was winning for a long time, but I kept at it. I kept trying to meet all the people in this little community and get to know them so they'd trust me. And I was advertising to them and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one day on the uh, hot sheet that would come out before broker preview, Mark had two new listings and I had nothing. I'd never had a listing appointment in there even. And um, I remember going to my broker and saying, you know, should I give up on this? And he said something quite brilliant to me. He said, Jason, don't suffer day to day. Just add it all up at the end of the year and decide whether or not you're happy. And so another, another reason, more rocket fuel to keep going. Okay. I love <laughs> and it. So, I love it. you know, I listened to that and I kept going. And what do you know? I got my first listing and then I got another one and another one and another one. And I became the top agent in that community. I sold like 92 properties in there, in that little community of about 320 homes or so. And I beat Mark. He gave up ultimately. And uh, uh, so then I did that and duplicated in a bunch of other areas uh, and uh, you know, became very successful as a real estate agent before buying a real estate company and then selling it. So what was the challenges that you were dealing with? And obviously companies all have challenges, but specifically that you can remember the challenges that you dealt with in that company and what 
kept you from succeeding to the where you wanted to go with it? So that company, I purchased this company basically for no money down. And uh, it was a failing company, and I turned it around uh, after much struggle. The franchisor uh, pulled the plug, and we had to rebrand the whole company. I had just uh, leased a new office that was triple the size, and then 9-11 happened, and the whole economy went to sleep for a while. It certainly woke up with a roar, but it went to sleep for quite a while. And uh, it was just one challenge after another after another. It was. I, I felt like like I could just never win. But and we were an independent company in an area where there were just corporate giants. Every yeah. corporate giant was represented, whether it be Prudential, Remax, Century Twenty One, you know, all the big companies, right? And so that was very hard. We had to, you know, create all our own branding, all our own marketing materials. So it was yeah. definitely a struggle. <laughs> There's yeah, no question so, about it. So let me ask you this then: like when you're going through it, you're on a mission. And you keep having things, like you said, everything just wasn't going your way, like over and over and over again. How do you decide when it's time to, the common word everybody says now is pivot. How do you know when it's time to pivot and or be persistent and keep pushing on towards your target? Right. Well, that was before. Now, that word pivot was popularized by Eric Reese's book called The Lean Startup, which is a great book, by the way, about tech startups. And uh, you know, minimum viable product, and that's really good book. But before that, the word pivot was not used (laughs) much, at least. And so I didn't hear that word. But you know, look, I had obligations that I, you know, I could have uh, bailed out of, like a an you know office leases and so forth. Uh, But that would have been very hard to get out of. So uh, you know, that's one thing, and I. Even though that wasn't by design, I, I didn't, you know, do that commitment and think all of these problems would happen, obviously. But it did cause me, it kind of forced me to, as the old story goes, burn the boats, right? right. You know, the story yep. about going into battle yep. and, and you know, burn the boats. We're here, <laughs> yeah. we're going to win, right? And so, you know, that would be a, a major uh, piece of fuel right there, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then uh, the, I noticed that you're an Inc. 5000 company, private yep. company. Tell us about how you got that company started and what it's doing now. And Yeah. So uh, after I sold my traditional real estate company uh, to Coldo Banker, I got in the business of helping investors invest in properties nationwide. And what I had realized after being an investor in Southern California, in a mar- and that's a market that just doesn't make sense. You're not an investor if you invest in a high-priced market, you're a speculator. And you know you can win speculating sometimes, but by now I'm older, more conservative. I'd been through some cycles. I'd seen how bad the recessions had hit, and I wanted to be diversified geographically. I would say income property is the most historically proven asset class in the world, but you need to diversify geographically. And I started looking around the country, researching properties around the country, flying around the country, meeting with brokers and agents and property managers to try and help me become a nationwide investor just for my own portfolio. I had right. a big check and I was thinking I would just kind of retire and invest and that's all I would do. And it was so difficult for me to do this. Like many entrepreneurial stories, I thought, you know, there must be other people interested in doing this and they must have had the same struggles I'm having right now. So why don't I create a company that is a financial services firm for real estate investors. If you look at Wall Street, Wall Street makes it so easy to invest. 
but their investments mostly suck. They're kind of mediocre, right? You know, you buy stocks and I mean, the, the people that get the richest on Wall Street are the insiders, right? They're the, yeah. the brokerage houses, the investment bankers, the CEOs and the executives of the company and the board of directors and all of them. And, you know, the shareholders get the scraps, right? And so, and, you know, of course, I'm saying this at a time when the market's been booming because of all the fake money <laughs> being printed. But the point is, yeah, you're yeah, making I, I less than the insiders. We yeah. all know that, right? Yeah. And so, you know, why not have a firm that can help people invest nationwide? And so I couldn't find anybody to really help me with this. So I basically created my businesses to be my own customer. That was the start. Love it. Okay. And yeah. then so single family or multifamily, which do you prefer and why? You know, I've done both. I've owned big apartment complexes, 139 units, 125 units. I've got a 120 unit mobile home park. And so, and then I've got owned some smaller apartment complexes and I've owned a whole bunch of single family. I like single family the best because I think it is just uber reliable. It's just super reliable. You get better quality tenants, they stay longer. And if you do it right, you know, you just, it's just better. But I have made a lot of money in multifamily, okay? Uh, so I'm, I'm just saying for most people listening, single family is like the tried and true thing. Sophisticated investors with a lot more money to deploy, they're gonna do bigger stuff most of the time. Although, coming out of the Great Recession, we've seen big investors scale single family homes by the tens of thousands, well, now probably by the hundreds of thousands. I, I don't know the latest numbers for the big institutions like Invitation Homes and American Homes for Rent and so forth, which is a new thing. We didn't see that before the Great Recession. Nobody ever really did, you know, build entire communities of single family homes to rent or right. buy them, you know, so it, it's, it's a different world now. So I think you can do well in either. In fact, you can do well in anything. You can do well in lots of different asset classes. You just got to pick a specialty, become an expert, and really focus on it. You know, yeah, you could do well even in retail in a time when retail sucks, most would say, right? Yeah, because uh, a lot of people will run and as long as you're leaning into it while they're running, you're going to take over the market share, right? It's yeah. anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you excited for the future here? You mentioned, I didn't say this, but you said you're older, more conservative now with things, but you still got to play a game to stay alive, right? Everybody's got to play a game. What is it that you're excited about right now for the future and what's your vision? You know, I'd say my two things I'm really focusing on right now, I started a mastermind group with Rich Dad author Ken McElroy and also George Gammon, and that's called The Collective, and we're really excited about that right now. Uh, it's my second mastermind group that I've run, but this one I'm a partner in versus running it myself. And uh, then I also have a software company called Real Estate Tools, and I'm excited about scaling that up. And uh, you know, just excited about enjoying life a little bit uh, more, maybe working a little less, I think, is uh, probably in yeah. the cards for me, even though I do love business and it, it's, it's kind of an addiction to tell you the it, truth. It's not like, work. You, like it really isn't work when you love it. I mean, it, it, I, it's not, but the reality is it does occupy your time, yeah, right? And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, there's got to be some uh, degree of maybe balance there. <laughs> well, look, I, I, you know, based on what you just told me, and I asked that question specifically for, I have a motive. <laughs> I'm a master connector. My superhuman power is, is helping people elevate to whatever they say that in that question about their vision, how can I help them? I listen and then see what I can do. I'm in tech, by the way. I don't know if you know this or not, but yeah, we- uh, I do. Launched, okay, we talked yeah, about we, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I, I don't know what, what I said to you before, but- um, Yes. You, know, you, you are I'm welcome a, to fund my software company and uh, 
We've never raised money, but you know we're happy to take a ten million dollar round if you want to give it to uh, us. That's good because we're 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 looking for a hundred million dollar fund that we're starting. So yeah, but no, but it's uh, only one. Ten, it's only ten percent of your fund. See? Yeah, just a collaboration and connection with people. I mean, at the end of the day, and seeing how we can how we can help, and that's that's what it's all about for me. So I want to first of all thank you for coming on the show. The final question I have for you is, what does that rocket fuel law mean to you about? taking everything that comes your way that would normally stop or slow you down, stored it in your tank instead of your trunk where it would weigh you down, and converting that into fuel to become unstoppable. Yeah. I'm not totally sure I understand the question, but I'll say I mean, what is, what is, can, Yeah, like three, yeah, yeah. three to four sentences on what does that mean and meant to you in your life about just understanding that everything comes your way is to create you to be unstoppable as long as you use it the right way. Yeah. You know, I think it goes back to what we said earlier about, man, we touched on it, managing emotions, right? Yeah. And there is no good or bad stuff necessarily. I mean, sometimes there is, of, you know, this is not an all or nothing statement, but, you know, it's how you perceive it, what you do with it. And amazingly, sometimes, and we've all experienced this, and I urge anybody listening, the next time they're faced with some seemingly, you know, overwhelming challenge, amazingly, we have all had things in our life that when we look back on them, it's like, if that didn't happen to me, then something else wouldn't have happened to me, yeah. right? And it is truly amazing how that works out. Uh, so anything that looks like a really bad thing right now, just understand it's mostly just information and data. And Perfect. you know it's a calendar event and it's gonna lead you to something. And you've gotta have the faith, maybe you know, faith in a higher power in God to know that there is something more for you beyond this. Either it's going to strengthen you, you know, gems are polished by friction. Okay. You know, a lot of good things come out of hardship and you had a hard childhood. I had a, you know, relatively hard childhood. And uh, if we didn't have that and we had it easy, I mean, we all know friends who had it easy, right? And everything was given to them and they're losers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they've made nothing of themselves a lot of times. So everything has its purpose and it's up to us to figure out how to use it to, uh, to have it guide us forward. I love it, man. I love it. How can my audience get in touch with you? What's the best way uh, for um, them to engage my, with you? Yeah. My main website is jasonhartman.com. So just my name, J-A-S-O-N-H-A-R-T-M-A-N.com. My main podcast, I have many, but my main podcast is called The Creating Wealth Show. And you can find that on any podcast platform. Just look up my name. And then of course, I'm on YouTube and all the usual social media. Great, great. All right, guys, go support Jason Hartman. Let him know you heard him here on the What Are You Made Of podcast. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. If there's anything I can ever do for you, any way I can help you, uh, let me know. But what I normally do is I, I build relationships. I stay in touch with people and we, you know, we eventually we'll be doing something together. So besides podcasts. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jason. All right, C-Rock. Good talking to you. All right, you guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of show with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock. And as you just heard, uh, Jason Hartman is unstoppable as well. My favorite word is inexorable. I want everybody to go look at that word up. I say it all the time. Go look that word up and see what it means. I-N-E-X-O-R-A-B-L-E, -E, inexorable. Be inexorable. Be unstoppable. Until next time, appreciate and love all of you guys. I'll be back with another exciting guest. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. 
Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.